Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning and buenos dias and greetings to our uh, live stream podcast family. I get to share the word again with you this morning, so I'm excited about that. And as usual, you can follow along the outline of the message uh, through the Bible app, or you could grab a printed outline from the back. We're continuing this morning with our year-long theme, Christology. Come on, say Christology. And uh, in Revelation 1.8, our memory verse, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, right? In Apocalipsis 1.8, Jesús dice... Yo soy el alfa y la omega, el principio y el fin, right? And so because Jesus is the beginning and the end, as we read through the Bible this year, 2023, we are finding Jesus from cover to cover. That's right. Y porque Jesucristo es el principio y el fin, este año al leer toda la Biblia juntos estamos... ¿Y por qué? ¿Por qué estamos descubriendo a Jesucristo de principio a fin? ¿Por qué estamos leyendo toda la Biblia todos juntos? ¿Por qué lo hacemos cada año aquí en, en Encounter Church? Ah, now you know what it feels like to be on the other end of translation. <laughs> I just did that because I am, I am I'm grateful that we have uh, a very diverse congregation and if you haven't noticed we have a lot of folks that English is not their first language and they have to get translated the, the message they have to make an extra effort to uh, to understand so aren't we aren't we just aren't we proud of them I want to say I'm extra thankful for our translators team Just wanted y'all to know that. Okay. <laughs> what did I say? Well, why is it that we read through the Bible every year together? Why is it that we're taking a whole year to focus on Christology? And that is because who remembers what Christology even means? That Jesus is the, the reason why. That's what ology means, the reason why. And really, to discover, to find, and to get to know Jesus is the reason for the whole Bible. It's why we have the Bible. To get to know him, to discover him, to find him. So, so far, let's go through a little recap. Is that okay? So far, we've been discovering Christ through. Ready? Put your seatbelts on, ready to fast forward. We've discovered that Christ is the word in creation. That Christ was the covering that God gave Adam and Eve after the fall. We see Christ in Abel's uh, pleasing sacrifice. We see Christ as Noah's ark that we all have to get into, right? We see Christ as the reversal of the Tower of Babel. We see Christ in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We see Christ as the Passover lamb as the people of Israel come out of Egypt. We see Christ's power through their deliverance at the Red Sea. We see Christ as the manna, right? Jesus is bread from heaven. We see Christ as the gushing rock that was struck, right? Remember Moses struck the rock that gives us living water. We see Christ is the law, the Ten Commandments. We see Christ as we trace the tabernacle from beginning to end. We see Christ in all the sacrifices of Leviticus. How many of you enjoyed reading Leviticus? Can't get many amens on that one, right? 
But we see Christ in every sacrifice in Leviticus because it reflects the Passover. We see Christ on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of the crucifixion of Christ. We see Christ a couple of weeks ago as uh, when we saw the snake on a stick, right? The defeat of Satan through the crucifixion. And now, after all of that, we know that the, the, the children of Israel spent how long in the wilderness? 40 years, and not because that's what God really wanted, but because they were rebellious and complainers, right? And God had, had given the children of Israel a promised land. He said that he was going to not only bring them out of slavery in Egypt, but through the wilderness into a land that flows with milk and honey. In other words, a prosperous land, right? A totally new life. And so the problem is that those that God had set free from slavery didn't trust him enough to bring them into the promised land, right? And so the Lord said, okay, well, all of you grown-ups, I'm going to have to wait on your kids. May that not be said of my generation, right? I'm going to have to wait on your kids. I'm not going to be able to, sit, to bring you into the promised land because you're rebellious, because you complain, because you don't trust me. So I'm going to wait until all of you die, <laughs> And then I'm going to bring your children into the promised land, right? And so how long does it take for everybody to die? 40 years. That's right. 40 years. And then the new generation is ready to come in to the promised land. And we have a new leader because Moses also died. Who's our new leader? Joshua. Okay. Before we jump into this story, I have a question for you. Under what circumstances do you need to trust someone the most? In what kind of situation do you really need to have a lot of trust in a person? You know what? I, the first thing that comes to my mind, if I ever have anybody babysit my kids. Like, I need to trust that person to know that they're going to take care of my kids well, right? Right? Okay, you know, another thing I think, my, my dad, uh, uh, you know, they live near the ocean, and um, he has a few boats, and he likes to take us out on the boat, and every time we go out on the boat on that choppy ocean water, I have to trust that my dad knows what he's doing, right? He knows how to, to drive that thing correctly and not, we don't end up in the ocean, right? But I'll tell you one that I always have to think about a lot. In fact, this past, this past, uh, this past Thursday, I had to fly to DFW, and then back on the same day, okay? Every time I get on a plane, I got to trust that pilot, right, that he has my best interest in mind. Now, thankfully, I have a, my trust in someone who's bigger and higher than a pilot, right? But you know what I'm saying. You better, you, if you're going to get on a plane, you trust that the pilot's going to get you there and get you back, right? Okay, well, the, the message title today is Red Rope. Come on, tell somebody, Red Rope. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, you'll see here in just a minute. Maybe you picking up that we're going to talk about trust and faith today. We're going to talk about trust and faith today. Message title is Red Rope, and I need to set the stage for you briefly. Is that okay? Because we don't have time to read all of this. If we were going to read all of this, we'd be here all day long. So I'm going to summarize it for you. Is that cool? Okay, this is a brief summary of Joshua chapters 1 through 6. Ready? The people of Israel had been in the wilderness how long? Who was their leader in the wilderness? Moses. But Moses dies with the generation, right, that passes away. And the new leader is appointed. His name is? 
Joshua. Now, now that the new generation is ready, the Lord says, okay, now this is, this is the generation of the children. I'm going to bring them into the promised land. But just like the children of Israel had to cross the body of water, the Red Sea, to come into the, in, into the wilderness, right? Um, what is this new water place that the children of Israel need to, to cross if they're going to go into the promised land? It was a river called Jordan, the River Jordan. That's right. And so they experienced a version of what happened at the Red Sea. Okay, God's like, I'm going to bring you into the promised land, but you got to cross the Jordan River because the promised land was on the other side of the Jordan River. And what does the Lord do to the Jordan River? He stops it. He dams it up on both ends. And they, they cross the Jordan River on dry ground. And it's like, now you're in the promised land, right? And what was the name of the first city that they had to conquer to come into the promised land? Jericho, but before they went after Jericho, what needed to happen? Something had not happened in the wilderness that they had to do. Circumcision. They had, for some reason, not circumcised the new generation in the time in the wilderness. And God said, you have to enter into covenant with me, be my people, be committed to me before I bring you into the promised land, right? So Joshua has to circumcise the whole new generation. They say, poor, poor new generation. I think poor Joshua who had to go through all of that, Right? He probably wasn't too popular for a minute. But Joshua had to circumcise the whole new generation before they could go into the, the promised land. And then after they are circumcised and they rest up and they're healed and they're ready to, to, to go into the promised land, they come to Jericho, right? And the Lord says, I'm going to give you Jericho. Jericho is a very strong city. It's surrounded by these high walls. It's protected. And so what does the Lord tell them? I'm going to give you a strategy. What I want you to do is I want you to march around the city one time per day silently for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. And after you march around seven times, you're going to, and the walls are going to come tumbling down, right? I mean, that would require trust to go, uh, we're going to shout and the walls are going to fall down. And just because we walked around. So you see where we're going. There's, there's, there's got to be trust. There's got to be faith in the instructions of God. Come on, tell your neighbor. You got to have trust in his instructions. Now, in the midst of all of this, we find Christ more than once. Before the walls come tumbling down at Jericho, Joshua does something that Moses did, but a little different. Remember when they were going to go in, the first time Moses sent out 12 spies, 10 came back with a negative report, 2 came back with a good report. And Joshua decides to send out two spies to go into Jericho before they, before they go and attempt to take it, right? And this is not the message, but listen to me very quickly. There's something to that. You can't have too many opinions. Now, we ought not to live our lives and make all our decisions as loners, right? We need counsel from other people, from godly people. But two was better than 12 in this case, right? 12, 10 were negative, and two were positive. And I don't know if that had to do with Joshua only sending two or not, but I'll tell you this. You need to get some good godly people to give you their counsel and their opinion, but don't get too many voices, don't be listening to too many voices, okay? Get some good ones. That had nothing to do with the message, but that's important. All right. So the two spies go to check things out, and they come to a lady in Jericho 
part of Jericho. She lived in Jericho. She was an enemy, right? But this lady had heard, and in fact, she told the two spies, we've all heard about what God did in Egypt. And we know that the Lord is going to give you the city. He's going to give you the land. And we're scared, right? So how about I help you and you help me? What was her name? Rahab. Very good. Her name was Rahab. And Rahab was a, what was her job description? You don't have to whisper it. Come on. Rahab was a prostitute. A prostitute what? Yes, Rahab was a prostitute. Not necessarily the most godly person that they should have asked for help, right? But it is what it is. This is who Rahab was. Come on, somebody say, Rahab had a past. And what does Rahab do? She says, look, they're going to come after you. When they find out that spies are here, they're going to come looking for you. And so when they come looking for you, I'm going to hide you. Where did she hide them? On the roof, right? On the roof. She hit them on the roof. And they promise that because of this, they're going to protect her and her family. That brings us to Joshua 2.15. All right. We ready to read the word? Then, since Rahab's house was built on the town wall, or into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they've returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We'll be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions when we come into the land you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down and all your family members your father mother brothers and all your relatives must be here inside the house you got to be in the house where the red rope is. Oh, I could stop and preach right there. You got to be, you got to stay in the house where the red rope is. I'm getting ahead of myself, but you got to stay in the house of the Lord that's covered by the blood of Jesus. You're not safe out there. You need to stay in the family. You need to say where it's safe. Where it's safe is where the blood of Jesus is protecting. I just gave you the whole message, but I'll break it down in a minute. <laughs> you got to be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, not going to be our fault. Anyone who lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. And Rahab said, I accept your terms she replied and she sent them on their way leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window this story is all about faith this whole story is all about faith it's a foreshadowing of the kind of faith we have to have in Christ and when I say faith I mean three words today We've taught a lot about faith over the past couple of years, right? But today, when I say faith, I want you to think three words. Believe, trust, and obey. Come on, say believe, believe 
trust and obey. Believing is one thing. Trusting is even stronger. But obeying is the strongest, right? Faith means to believe God, trust him, and obey his instructions. And we see that when they gave, when the spies gave Rahab the instructions, she said, I accept the terms. Rahab had to believe, trust, and obey the instructions about the red rope. And she and her whole family had to stay inside that house where the red rope hung. This is called faith. Now, let me break that down just a little bit for you. Rahab had to believe that they would actually help her. She had to believe it. Rahab also had to trust that they would keep their word. And especially Rahab had to obey the instructions that they gave her if she wanted to be protected, if she wanted to be saved. And I find it amazing that Rahab believed, trusted, and obeyed. In this case, she was really believing, trusting, and obeying the Lord, the God of Israel, right? Despite who she had been. Because remember, Rahab at this moment is an enemy. Rahab lived in Jericho, the city they were about to conquer. Rahab was not an Israelite. Rahab was an enemy. And she not only believed, trusted, and obeyed God, because she, despite the fact that she was an enemy, she believed, trusted, and obeyed God despite what she had done. Because she was a prostitute, Right? She had to leave it all behind. She had to be willing. Rahab had to be willing to leave everything behind. Who she had been and what she had done. And question for us today, have you and I come to faith in God like that? When we say we believe in Jesus, have we left it all behind? Who we were and what we did. Do we believe in a God who wants to help us? Do we trust that he will? Do we believe and trust him enough to actually obey his instructions? We have to be willing to believe him, to trust him and obey him and leave everything behind, all that we were and all that we've done. That is the kind of faith that God looks for. He wants to help you. Come and look at me. I don't know everybody in here. I know most of you, but I don't know everybody. But I can tell everybody this. He wants to help you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he wants to help you. But it requires faith. It requires you to believe not only in him, but to believe him. To trust in his word. To trust enough to actually obey. That's faith. Now, I love this because if you keep on reading the story, you will learn that Rahab, an enemy prostitute, not an original Israelite, joins Israel. They take her in. She follows the instructions. We know that they do the Jericho thing. The walls fall and they go and they get Rahab and her family, right? And Rahab and her family join Israel. They become Israelites. They immigrate. They become part of the family of Israel but that's not only that's not the end of the story does anybody know who Rahab married 
she ended up, the enemy prostitute ended up marrying an Israelite named Salmon. Yes, like the fish. Salmon or Salmon. I don't know how you say it, but S-A-L-M-O-N, Salmon. Okay, who says Salmon? Who says Salmon? All right, all right. Salmon. That's probably how you say it in Hebrew. Okay. Does anybody know who Salmon was? Salmon or Salmon was a prince in the tribe of Judah. What does that mean? Keep on reading. Rahab, the ex-enemy prostitute, becomes the great-great-great-great-grandmother of King David, which eventually means she's the far-off great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of the Lord Jesus. Rahab. Faith really pleases God. He really likes it. In fact, the word says in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith is the one thing that pleases him, right? Because faith is the opposite of trusting ourselves and doing it our own way. Faith says, I believe you, trust you, and obey you rather than myself. It's the opposite of Adam and Eve. It's the opposite of sin. And God really, really likes faith so much that he could turn an ex-enemy prostitute into the great-great-grandmother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Look, it doesn't matter who you've been or what you've done. Faith changes everything. Faith changes everything. Let me give you the Christology of this. Ready? You sure? Might want to write this down. The red rope acted in the same way as the blood of the Passover lamb. Okay? The red rope acted in the same, it was the same thing as the blood of the Passover lamb. The red rope acted as a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus Christ, just like the blood over the doorway at Passover. Just as the blood on the doorpost kept the Israelites safe during Passover, the scarlet rope, that red rope in Rahab's window, protected her and her family from the judgment God was about to bring on Jericho. They were protected by more than just a rope, but by what that rope represented. And he chose for it to be red for a reason in his story. Because it represents the blood of Jesus, the lamb. One day, Rahab's far-off grandson, Jesus, would die on a cross, and his scarlet blood now covers our sins. So we can be saved also and protected from God's judgment that comes upon sin. Wow. Let me just give you three things real quick about the blood of Jesus from this story. Number one, the blood of Jesus covers us and protects us from God's 
righteous judgment. God's judgment is righteous. It's, I don't know if we understand this sometimes. We're all guilty of sin that merits divine judgment. And God hates sin. He hates sin because sin has corrupted and messed up the thing he loves the most, his creation, right? Especially the height of his creation, the most beloved part of his creation, which is us. Sin messes it up. That's why God hates sin. God doesn't just hate sin because he's just because. He hates sin because of what sin did, but because of what sin does to us. He created us in his image to enjoy him, to know him, to be loved by him, to love him. And sin messed that up. So he hates sin. And God judges and will judge sin. God hates sin. But he loves his creation. God hates sin. But he loves you and me. So, he provided a sacrifice. Why? Because sin had to be, has to be judged. Because he's righteous. If he treated the the sinful and the holy the same, there's no justice or fairness in that. But he's just. He's right. He's righteous. And because of that, sin had to be judged. But because he loves us, the one sin has messed up, he himself came and provided the sacrifice for the judgment of sin to fall upon. Come on, somebody say Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers us and protects us from the judgment that is upon sin. That's why Jesus said in John 3, if you believe, you've already passed into eternal life. But those that don't believe, listen, it doesn't say are going to go to hell. I mean, we know about hell and all that. But it says those that don't believe remain under God's angry judgment. We're already under it. We're already under the judgment of sin. It's just that when we believe in Christ, we come out from under that judgment. We're protected from that judgment. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus covers us and protects us from God's righteous judgment. Number two, the blood of Jesus brings us in and makes us a part of his family. Rahab joined the family of Israel. And we are adopted into God's family when we put our faith in the blood of Christ. When we say yes to that scarlet rope, when we say yes, we put our full trust and our faith in the blood of Jesus, it's like us being inside that house with Rahab, and then God coming and saying, oh, they followed my instructions. They trusted me. They believed me. I'm going to adopt them in now to my family. 
If you've put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you're not alone. You're part of the world's biggest family. And God, God has, <clears throat> has a purpose for you now. Because not only does the blood of Jesus cover us and protect us from, from judgment, not only does the blood of Jesus bring us in, but the blood of Jesus, number three, erases our past and gives us a purpose and a future. It's not just that God protected Rahab. He brought her into his family and gave her a kind of important purpose. Again, an enemy prostitute became the great-grandmother far off of King David and eventually the Lord Jesus. What a turnaround. <laughs> Talk about a turnaround. Come on, you to say this with me. Faith, forgiveness, future. Come on, say it again. That is the gospel. That's exactly right. That is the good news. Come on, say faith, forgiveness, future. Faith opens up the future. You want the future? You got to have faith. If you don't want to stay stuck in the past, you got to have faith. Faith like Rahab that says, I'm willing to leave it all behind. Rather than identify with my people, I'm willing to identify with the real God and his people. And I'd also like to bring my family along with me. Nada tonta, right? She was smart. That's, that's the good news of Jesus. Come on, say, faith, forgiveness, future. Because the blood of Jesus erases our past and gives us a purpose and a future. Jesus' blood changes everything. There's no past. He can't turn around and turn into a good plan. Come on, listen to me say that again. Hear the Lord tell you that. Maybe this is for you. There's no past. He can't take it, wash it, turn it around, and turn it into a good plan. I don't know that anybody in the house has been an enemy prostitute. Maybe. But you've been somebody and you've been something. So have I. Every one of us comes from a different background, from, from, from different sinful lifestyles, and maybe even... Very different current struggles. I'll tell you this. There's nothing he can't take and turn it around into a good plan. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. That's the power of that red rope. You have a hope and a purpose for the future. Yes, the blood of Jesus covers us and protects us from God's judgment. The blood of Jesus brings us into God's family, makes us a part. And the blood of Jesus erases our past and opens up a future, a purpose, a hope. Just to recap, Rahab believed, trusted, and obeyed God despite who she was, 
despite what she'd done. She left it all behind. Have you? That's what faith is. Have you come? Now, in just a minute, just a couple of minutes, I'm going to have, I'm going to tell you guys one more little thing. And I'm going to have a very, very important call to prayer that's going to be for most of us. Okay? So give me a minute. But first, have you received the forgiveness from your past? Have you joined God's family? Do you know hope, purpose, future in Christ? If not, you can right now. So before I move on to this call of prayer, it's going to be for many of us. I want to invite everyone just to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Have you received forgiveness from your past? Have you joined God's family? Do you have a purpose for the future? That's all through putting faith in Jesus, in his blood. Does anybody in the house today need to make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus, to believe, to trust, and to obey Jesus Christ? Is that anybody? If that's you, would you just quickly lift up your hand and wave at me, okay? Anybody need to give your life to Jesus today? For the first time or you've been backslidden and you need to come home to Jesus. Is it anybody? Okay, when I looked over the crowd, I thought, that, I thought that's what it is. All right? Just for the next moment, I want to ask no one to move around because I want to give you guys a very special final point and call to prayer. God wants to use you like he used the spies. To save people from certain judgment and death. You and I are responsible for giving people the instructions. Just like they told Rahab. It's the scarlet rope. It's that red rope. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the gospel. God used, I don't think we often think about this. God used those two spies. Rahab and her family would have faced the same judgment and death as everyone else in Jericho. But because these two spies gave her God's instructions, Rahab was saved and her whole family. And God wants to use you and me in the same way. We have the privilege and the responsibility of living in a world that God wants to save and has paid the price to save. The red rope is hanging through the window. The blood of Jesus is available for every man, woman, and child. But most people don't know. They need us to give them the message. They need us to give them the instructions and help them know how to obey. He wants to use you like he used those two spies. We get to help people put their trust in the blood of Jesus. What a magnificent calling and privilege as God's people. Who in the house says, 
I want God to use me like that. I want God to use me like that. This isn't something I'm asking you to tell me. This is something God is asking us today to respond to him. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.